listen, there's nothing to worry about. I'm the WCW champion, baby. How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. This week, we are going to be doing a superstar breakdown of sorts, a superstar spotlight of sorts, and we're going to be discussing David Arquette, and we are then going to be talking about the documentary that came out in 2020 called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. So let's start talking about David Arquette, shall we? So his pro wrestling career began in the year 2000 and he had got done filming the movie ready to rumble which featured a lot of wcw talent and he was then brought into wcw storylines his debut was on april 12 2000 during an episode of thunder he was in the crowd and then came into the ring to do a confrontation with eric bischoff and the new blood stable at that time he then went on to form a partnership with Chris Canyon and Diamond Dallas Page, who was the WCW world champion at that time. And he would defeat Bischoff in a singles match on the April 24th episode of Nitro. But on the episode of Thunder that followed that, he teamed with Page in a match against Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett, with the stipulation being that whichever man got the pin would become the world championship. Arquette would pin Bischoff again in this match, and he would receive the WCW World Heavyweight Championship as a result. So he would be used only on two shows as champion, uh, May 1st Nitro and the May 7th Slamboree pay-per-view. Um, on the May 1st Nitro, there was a vignette where he was filming 3,000 Miles to Graceland, and the vignette featured Courtney Cox and Kurt Russell, and they did a thing there, but he would also, he did, uh, he also, I forgot to mention, he would defend the title against Tank Abbott. There's a name that you probably haven't heard in a long time. I'm, I'm going to say, and I did not know that there was a Tank Abbott title defense in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but with help from Paige, obviously, he would held the title for 12 days until the Slamboree pay-per-view on May 7th, 2000. And he was booked to defend that against Jarrett and Page in a triple cage match, which is incidentally the same type of match featured in the climax of Ready to Rumble. And in this match, he would turn on Page, give the victory to Jarrett, and after Slammery, he would cut a promo on Nitro, May 8th Nitro, explaining that his entire friendship with Page was a swerve, and title run was a swerve, and that would uh, eventually have Page run down to the ring and hit him with a diamond cutter, he would make one final appearance at the New Blood Rising pay-per-view on August 13th by interfering in a match with Butt Bagwell and Canyon. He would uh, go on to make one appearance on, uh, on Monday Night Raw, December 13th, 2010. He would team with Alex Riley in a handicap match against Randy Orton, and they lost that match. So that is the first phase of his pro wrestling stint so leonard what are your thoughts on this part of david arquette's career well you know as i mentioned uh i did not remember the take habit match nor did i remember the alex riley handicap match against randy orton on raw i do vaguely remember him being in the crowd or something you know liking them cutting to him like they do a lot of other celebrities when they're out there so i was in college at the time and um, I'm going to make a confession that will probably shock our listeners and viewers. Uh, 
I have never seen Ready to Rumble. Ah. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to the theater regularly at the time. And it, it doesn't pop up on cable and or streaming services much. And, you know, I'd never rented it back in the day when you could do that from Blockbuster. So I just, I've, I've seen clips of it online. I've seen different things. I know what it's about, but I've never seen the whole thing. So at the time I was in college, I was following wrestling here and there. I was more reading stuff online the day after than actually watching shows. So I do remember David Arquette being around and winning the title. And even though by this point, I, of course, knew that wrestling was predetermined. Um, this Wait, what? It's <laughs> Notice I didn't say fake. I said predetermined. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. And um, but when I heard this, that was really the jump the shark point of kayfabe for me. Because it was still this suspension of disbelief as a fan that I had. But when you hear, hey, David Arquette won the title in the most convoluted way possible, and then he loses it in the most convoluted way possible. And hey, he just happens to be promoting a wrestling movie with WCW talent in it. That kills the business more than anything, to me at least. Yeah. Even at the time, I remember hearing all this and reading this. I don't know if I actually watched anything at the time, but just feeling really uh, and down on it. And um, again, we're going to get into the into the documentary. And um, the reason that we're going to talk about this is because I actually watched it just recently at the time of this recording um, that I had uh, come across it on uh, Hulu. And I should mention that we also watched uh, One Night at Willie's with uh, Nicolas Cage uh, at the same time. You mean mean Willie's Wonderland? Willie's Wonderland. I don't know why I called it One Night at Willie's. That (laughs) that may have been an alternate title. That sounds like it would be an alternate title, right? (laughs) So Willie's Wonderland we we watched um, uh, around the like one night. And then I saw this and uh, with my fiance. And we wound up watching You Cannot Kill David Arquette. And I should mention, we'll talk more about it. She's not a wrestling fan at all. And she had no idea that David Arquette had wrestled for WCW and had been a world champion. And she's like, as as they're revealing this in the documentary, she's looking at me like, is that real? Like, is this like a fake thing? Is this this like a mockumentary thing? Like a fake thing that they're not like, no, this is, that all happened. Right. Uh, and the and, and and I think we'll talk about this a little bit more with the documentary too. But they, you know, there's a scene with him and Eric Bischoff where they're talking about it, and Bischoff lays it at the feet of Vince Russo, and then they have a clip of Vince Russo doing a shoot interview where he kind of glosses over all of it. Um, but definitely, this sounds like a Vince Russo thing. Let's do something that is shocking. And hot shotting and popper rating and who gives right. a damn what it means, what it says, what we do next week. Who cares? Let's do right. it now. So that very much smells like a Vince Russo thing to me. Oh, yeah. And I think other people have said, yeah, that was Vince the whole time, even though he had, I think, it tried to pawn it off on the higher ups. Uh, but that speaks to, you know, what, where Vince's, Russo's head w- was at and what he wanted to try and do. And uh, again, you know, like we've said, it, it was a real black eye on WCW and professional wrestling. And then what I like with this documentary, and after I say this, I'll let you kind of set up the documentary, is that it's about how David Arquette 
wants to set right what he did wrong. Not only this black mark on his own professional career in his life, but the black mark that he felt that he placed on professional wrestling. So he kind of wanted to redeem himself and do it right this time for him to a degree, but also for the fans uh, to another degree. Right. Um, and, you know, this time, this point in time, I, I was watching WWE product, uh, you know, maybe not consistently every week because at this point, Austin was on again, off again mm-hmm. uh, because of injuries and, uh, Triple H was being pushed and, you know, I've never been, although I like a lot of his matches, I've never been a huge Triple H fan. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wasn't watching it consistently. Also, this was 2000. I would graduate high school in 2001. So, you know, wrestling was still an interest, but it wasn't the main interest. Uh, So Mm -hmm. having said all that, I definitely wasn't watching WCW. Uh, I was always a WWE guy, not for any reason. It's just the company that i stuck with i would check into wcw then here and there but uh i I obviously did hear about david arquette becoming champion it didn't make me look to see what was going on uh on thunder or nitro uh but in later years i would check out some of the matches that he was involved in specifically the triple cage match i think you know maybe it's just me i like the idea of a triple cage i wish it was used more and i actually think that that triple threat match is not that bad um you know if you're looking at david arquette's career at that point i think that that match is serviceable for for what it is uh but uh but yeah obviously and he gets a lot of crap for being the champion and it should be mentioned that he was against this idea uh being that he was uh, uh someone who wasn't really in the industry and uh, as is mentioned in the documentary which i'll uh, introduce here in, in, in a second he uh, would give all the money that he made during that time to the families of Owen Hart, Brian Pillman, and Darren Drozdoff. So it's always, he's the one that's always made fun of. And something I didn't know until I just researched this was that, you know, it was months before this that, you know, Vince McMahon would have a brief stint as uh, WWF champion. And, you know, the difference there obviously is that Vince McMahon maybe looks more like a wrestler and obviously being the owner and, you know, promoter, we accepted him more, even though that was weird too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, to me, Vince Russo doesn't get nearly the amount of shit that he deserves to get for some of his philosophies, some of his storylines and specifically this angle, which didn't do David Arquette any favors at all. And, you know, he still is looked at as, uh, you know, maybe not as much now, but this was looked at as a joke. And that's, that's sad given what we see in the, in the documentary. And um, so the documentary was released on August 21st, 2020. And it was directed by David Darg and Price James. And this, as Leonard said, is him attempting to return to his wrestling career after his acting career had kind of stalled. And I think that it is a, a really raw documentary. And he shows every bit of himself, uh, you know, he being David Arquette. 
in the documentary. You you get to see what type of person he is, and he seems like a genuinely good guy who loves the business. And it goes, you know, listening to all the podcasts, uh, you know, that are out there, you hear a lot about people who once they get a taste for the business, they can't ever get rid of it. And, you know, you look at somebody like Eric Bischoff, who had many careers before getting involved in the wrestling business, but just couldn't ever shake the wrestling business. I guess it gets a hold of you. And certainly that seems to have been the case with David Arquette. It wasn't just redemption for him, although that was certainly a main thing. It seemed to be just something that he really loved doing. And uh, yeah, I really liked the documentary. I had seen uh, rather heard a podcast with Bischoff and David Arquette. Uh, Bischoff was interviewing Arquette before this documentary came out. So I knew it was coming and I was really excited for it because of that interview, which you can check out, I guess, if you're a subscriber to the uh, Ad Free Shows website and some of the bonus content that they did. So yeah, it, it's a really good documentary. And, uh, you know, on a side note, in the past year or so, we have had a lot of really good wrestling documentaries out there. Uh, this one included, there's a good one of uh, China recently that was on Vice Versa. There is a series of uh, WWE A&E biographies out there. Not all of them great, but uh, certainly pretty good. Um, and then, of course, Dark Side of the Ring. So there's a lot of really good wrestling content out there right now. But this documentary, even though it came out last year, really deserves you know more of a spotlight and i hope more people go see it and actually get to see a different side of uh of david arquette right Leonard? yeah going into it i thought it was going to be kind of a goofy jokey thing and it wound up not being that and my fiance jenny after we watched it said you know i like that more than i thought i was going to right and she's a counselor and she really related to the fact that they explored his emotional and mental state right and because there's a scene where they psychoanalyze him when he's on ketamine. And there's a scene where his wife, Christina McLarty, talks about how he started preparing for the ring. And you touched upon this, um, about how passionate he became. But he lost 50 pounds. He stopped smoking. He stopped drinking. And she was right. fantastic. But then she started worrying about his health in the ring and him spending so much time away from, from him and the, her and the family. Right. And how he replaced one addiction with an, with another, with the yeah. wrestling uh, addiction. And another thing, too, that I really liked and, and Jenny really liked, too, was how he said, you know, he wanted to do it right this time. And he went, like, as we watched, we figured out, like, the levels. Like, yeah, level one was he went to the backyard wrestling show. And then he went to the tiny wrestling academy near there. And again, that was something that I had to explain to Jenny what the backyard wrestling was. And I'll make a, a few more notes about that here in a second. But and then he went to the, the Luchadors in Mexico, and that was like level two. And then he worked, uh, you know, championship wrestling from Hollywood. That was level three. And then he started doing the indie shows. And then he got to the big show, 10,000 fans against Ken, Kenny Anderson. That was like level four. And he saw how he went up. And then at the end of the show, they had a little note how he was ranked in the PWI 500 for right. 2019. He was actually 453. Right. And, and Jenny was like amazed by that. She was like, oh, I can't believe he, he got ranked on this list. I didn't explain to her how the list works and anything. But yeah, I was like, hey, he made this list. And, and it was a really good redemption story. And it's something she related to. 
But what I was going to say was if I cited a flaw against it, the flaw is that it is definitely made for wrestling fans. Oh, yeah. Even though the David Arquette has mainstream appeal by being an actor. And Jenny, of course, knew him primarily through the screen films, but not that he was a wrestler. So I constantly kind of had to explain who people were. Like, they build up Kenny Anderson as the big bad at the end of the movie. Well, who's Kenny Anderson? Why is he the guy to to, to go after? Um, you know, the thing with the luchadors where they take off their masks and they show Dave their faces, and he's just so blown away by this. And I, you know, I had to explain, the, you know, the, the, the idea of, of, of masked wrestlers. They don't take their masks off in public. And if they showed their faces to David Arquette, that means they accept him as a brother. I mean, that's a huge thing for them to do. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I had to kind of, ex- and then they had that clip at the end with Brian Pillman Jr. where he talks about how David had donated money to his family that mm-hmm. you had mentioned. And she's like, who is that guy? And what is he talking about? And I had to explain. Right. All of that. And then they had at the end too the clip with Jungle Boy Jack Perry and talked about Luke Perry. And they cut back to that death match that David Arquette had where he cut his neck very badly. Right. And Luke Perry's with him. And like we didn't catch that. Like we didn't catch that Luke Perry was in the in the car with him going to the hospital. Yeah. Like they could have said that. They should have said that. Um, so there was a lot of those things that to a non-wrestling fan, I don't think they would they would pick up on or understand who someone is or what was going on so that was a slight i i I would give even though of course i kind of understood what was going on and who everybody was yeah no i think it was really uh brave of you to show that to her you know because the Mm -hmm. thought maybe occurred to me once to show uh show my wife but i i just figured that you know any anything with wrestling you know i have to uh i have to really work at that if i i have to be passionate enough to be like okay you really need to see this um but it, it is a really good documentary but you are right it, it, it does it is made for wrestling fans because there's a lot of like you get to know the wrestling cultures and promotions that you might not know about even if you are a big wrestling fan so there is a lot to explain there uh and the nick gage stuff and by the way david arquette uh, it appears in the nick gage episode of dark side of the ring talking about that match uh, where he he gets uh, his his throat cut, which is it doesn't look like a scary thing when you watch it just really quick, but it really is. And uh, uh, you know, not to talk about Nick Gage, but that's barely wrestling in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I you know I'm all for cool death matches and hardcore stuff from time to time, but uh, you know that guy is is a different animal. Uh, that's the nicest thing I could say. Okay. And yeah go ahead go ahead oh, no, i was gonna say i haven't watched that episode of dark side of the ring yet i'm a little bit behind on the season which i want to catch up with that and the a and e stuff too that you mentioned earlier uh but that match and the backyard thing really shocked jenny especially when they pulled out like the light bulb tubes and she was like what are they gonna do with light bulb tubes god just watch yeah i mean it's and, and yeah, you know i told her there, I could show you more of this. And she goes, I, I don't want to watch more of this. And light bulb tubes, as we've discussed with Corporal Kirshner, like that was a, you know, bed of bed of nails match. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, like, you know, and that just goes to show you that the light bulb tubes, they make a really nice bang and, you know, there's glass everywhere, but mm-hmm. one wrong move and it, it could mean your life. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, there's some really shocking stuff in it and uh, it really is 
worth watching because I, I think you really get to know him more. And uh, yeah, if they had made more balanced with his acting career and maybe made it a more in general mm-hmm. biopic, like a more general overview of his, his career in life, then, you know, it might've appealed to more people. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. The title stands out, but it's hard to market that. Like, you know, and obviously David Arquette, this was like his thing, his project, um, this documentary, but like it, it's a, it stands out the title, but it's hard to say, hey, let's watch You Cannot Kill David Arquette. <laughs> like to somebody that doesn't know what it is, it's, it's tough to be like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> so. Right, right. And, and, and with his acting career, they spent like a minute on it. Right. And just kind of reviewed who he was. And then you had that him in the car talking about how he hasn't like worked in, in 10 years. Which I don't think it's correct. He just hasn't worked anything major in 10 years. I would have to look at his filmography. Um, but yeah, I, I think they probably could have spent some time, more time on his career is bottomed out and maybe what motivation that might have been to him at this time to go back and join wrestling again and do it right and see where he winds up uh so i think they could have pulled some of the thematic threads tighter than they did as 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 well with with that yeah and um just to kind of close out uh his his wrestling career here Mm -hmm. he um on may 23rd 2019 he made his debut on being the elite and attempted to convince uh, nick and matt jackson the young bucks to allow him to enter the over the budget battle royal at AEW Double or Nothing. Um, apparently they didn't recognize him at first, but they uh, eventually recalled his championship run in WCW, but didn't let him compete. Um, instead in the, in the show, I guess they gave him a double super kick. <laughs> um, and he would announce his retirement as a wrestler in June of uh, 2021. So obviously that just happened. And no. I remember reading about it. <laughs> no, so. no, me, me neither. I was actually, after watching the documentary, and I'll make a, a quick side note here. I think you saw a, a Facebook post of mine. I recently went to an, a local indie show. First time I've been to an indie show in about two years um, called New Ohio Wrestling or NOW based here in Columbus, Ohio. And it was a very small show. They did it in their training center that they have. And they're going to do that about once a month and along with some of the bigger shows. But actually, it was kind of fun after we watched it. And, and it was actually the same day I had gone to the indie show. With a friend of the friend of the show, Dan Weber, and friend of the show, Ronnie Lafollette, who gives us a lot of ideas, and um, you know, it was like, oh, you know, when he come to Ohio, could you see David Arquette look like? Maybe, but not now, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that hey, he had a memorable career. You can't uh, deny him him that. Um, in, in my mind, I don't look at him as the problem with wcw or the reason why he became champion certainly he didn't enter wcw advocating to become champion um so in my mind he he seems like i've never met him but he seems like a good guy and you know my hat's off to him for trying to get back into it and taking part in a death match and backyard wrestling so um we thought we would end this show by incorporating our uh fantasy wrestling matches are uh the fever dream match matches so to speak and uh, i have i have a couple ready leonard i uh i have first the female 
it would be David Arquette. So this is what we're doing. We're going to have David Arquette go against random names. Yes. That are generated. And the first name I have is David Arquette versus Melina. Oh. So, Leonard, okay. who do you think? Well, you know what? I think David Arquette would, would beat Melina. Um, I, I would want to see what the setup to this was. I could see this having um, an interesting setup that maybe David Arquette was working as a manager for someone who was feuding with someone Melina was managing. Maybe Arquette was feuding with someone that Melina was managing and then winds up in a match with her. Um, I, I could see Arquette being kind of like playfully scuzzy, maybe we'll say with Melina <laughs> and then her, you know, like slapping him. I could see him being the face and her being the heel though in the scenario. But uh, I do think that David Arquette could get a win over Melina if for no other reason that would help to continue whatever storyline that they had going on and with whatever other wrestlers were involved. All right. Well, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, I think David Arquette could pull one out here. I think it could be an entertaining uh, throwaway match. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, with, uh, with him being like certain sort of skeezy Hollywood star and uh, you know, maybe uh, you know, holding the ropes or something to get the pin. Um, so our next match Dave would be David Arquette versus, I guess, the classic version of The Undertaker. Oh, so original Undertaker. Yeah. Black, what, black and gray Undertaker. Yeah, so obviously I would say The Undertaker would win this, uh, but it would be fun to see David Arquette take a, cho take a choke slam or a tombstone. I think he'd take it just fine. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I, th I think he could totally. He would love to. Like, if, of course you know at the time if we're saying back when the original undertaker was the original undertaker he hadn't really come into his own yet but like now if you said hey david arquette can the undertaker give you a tombstone he would probably flip out like he oh would, yeah yeah he would love that beg to do it you know uh but yeah i i can see this being something where maybe it's it's like near a halloween show and there's like a casket ringside and David Arquette's in just like running his mouth and flapping his gums. And then like the lid opens and it's the setup. And then he gets in the ring and it's a very quick, you know, Taker kind of hits a few things and finishes with the tombstone. And it would be a very quick and short match. But I think just that juxtaposition of seeing those two together uh, would, would, be, would be interesting. And I think, you know, again, work and entertain. Most of these times, I, I would think 90% of the time, what we're going to talk about it's going to be more of an entertaining angle than an entertaining match. Yeah. But you can make it work. So the last one I have here mm -hmm. is a match that I would actually like to see. Okay. Is David Arquette versus Matt Hardy, the angry at Lita and Edge version. I didn't know that was a specific version <laughs> of Matt Hardy. Yeah. So he's in there, the angry at Lita and Edge version of Matt Hardy. Okay. And so the, so what's that be? If Lita came out and was like, you know, it wasn't Edge I was with, it was actually David Arquette. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. It would be a great match. It really would. It would be maybe not great classic five stars, but it would be entertaining as hell, I think. Yeah, well, you know, Matt Hardy, see, when I was thinking about us doing this, I was thinking, well, you know, there's not a lot of people that David Arquette match up well against. If it's David Arquette, say, versus Batista, oh, he's going to get his right. butt whipped. If it's King Kong Bundy, you know, he's going to get his butt whipped. But the only, and I'll, I'll throw this in here, the only man I could think of that I would put David Arquette over was Marco Stunt. What about Zach Gowan? 
maybe Zach Gowan. I think Zach Gowan as well, especially if Arquette's working heel and is taking the leg out from under. Him. <laughs> uh, I'll give you those two. Uh, but again, Matt Hardy is a guy. Yeah, I mean, he's not a small dude, but Matt Hardy is a smaller wrestler, you know, comparatively. So I think, and I think he's someone that would work with David Arquette. You know, I think Matt is someone that would not take him as a joke and would want to work with him. And if we go back to the documentary, there was, the name escapes me, but the guy he worked with in, in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and they were like laying out the match before they did it. And the fact that he was treating David Arquette seriously, like, okay, I'm laying this out with you like I would lay it out with anybody. So I think Matt Hardy would go in with that same attitude. And I think that they, or Mattitude, and I think that they would figure out how to work together. And I think Matt would certainly go over here but I think they would work out something that would make Arquette look good and we would continue the storyline. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that is going to wrap up our David Arquette show. And uh, please go check out that documentary. And like I said, there's a lot of good documentary content out there if you're not liking what uh, the mm-hmm. main promotions are doing right now. Yeah. You know, side note before we go off the air, because this was a shorter show. I know on our very first show, I talked about the idea of retro wrestling becoming a thing like retro video games. And I think that even in we've been on the air what now since uh, since August. So almost a year going almost a year um, that I think we've seen that more and more. And I don't know if the pandemic is part of it or how the companies or the main companies are booking is part of it. But I think you've seen people, not just the idea of nostalgia, but the idea of wanting to maybe relive or delve deeper into wrestling as it was before. Um, So again, you've got all these documentaries that are out there now, and you've got shows like WWE Treasures, also on A&E, which we didn't mention. Yeah. Um, but and I think you're going to see thing that says a lot about the industry right now and how good the product is and how good. It yeah. Is. So I think you're going to see more of that, this specialty type of, of programming where it's either documentaries or something that delves more into the legends and the previous generations. I know WB did that legends house one time. I don't know yeah. about doing something like that again because that type of reality programming has kind of gone on the wayside, but things like more of these focused documentaries and um, you know, the fact that WWE is in with Peacock now, what that could mean for their various different productions and the stuff that they're doing with A&E and what Vice is doing. So I definitely think you are going to see more of what we have seen in this past year that you've mentioned, yeah. which has been so great. And I'm not, I'm not uh, against that a- at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's a nest more of a, like I said, I don't think it's a nostalgia thing. I think it's just a, the interest of people is they're not interested in what's going on right now. And that's in the right. booking and that's in the talent and can wrestling bounce back from that. Sure. But I think it's going to take, the 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 right moment and time and the right hook and and having the the next right big people. thing as it were the next big thing i think a lot of people thought a and e a and e aew uh was going to be that next big thing and, and while they've done fantastically um i don't think that they was the 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 catalyst of a new era that a lot of people thought they would be maybe the uh pandemic derailed that a bit um but I think um they're trickling upwards i think that they're mm-hmm. it's a slow build for them you know they're 
you know, they're sticking with, you know, their approach and the way they want to produce wrestling. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't like a lot of what WWE is doing, but I do enjoy some of what's on AEW. And uh, I think that they need like one or two really big stars, you know, some, some hooks uh, to really get some more eyeballs. But yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a time when we're kind of loving the nostalgia and these documentaries that are not, that are more impartial and not uh, overproduced by a company and sort of changing history. And uh, yeah, so definitely check some of that content out. You can definitely check, uh, catch up on Dark Side of the Ring now because they're on hiatus until September, I believe. So yeah. So for Leonard, my name is Chad and we will see you next week. <laughs>